Hello, friends, and welcome into another de- <laughs> <laughs> Good, well, well said. <laughs> but for I the did, old Jim Nance there, welcome into the Dead Arms Podcast. I did not know you were going to be kicking off Hot the episode start. with that. <laughs> is, yes. is, is he really, Figured, is he, does he really consider us all friends? I mean, come on. Like, <laughs> I mean, he seems like a good guy, and he would, but... You know, figured it was fitting. We're gonna talk a little NCAA. Did you want to finish your uh, your opener uh... there? You got through (laughs) about two words before we both started laughing. Did you have a whole thing? (laughs) No, we're good. Okay, (laughs) we'll we'll move on. Figured it was fitting opening up with him, with him doing his last broadcast of the March Madness uh, Championship Game Tournament, and of course we have our Masters preview at the end of the show along with the return of our major draft. So we'll get into that a little bit later. But I want to kick it off with that question of the day-to-day gel and just your initial takeaways from that national championship game against San Diego State versus UConn. UConn, pretty heavy favorite in that one. Got close towards the end. I know you were sweating it out a little bit, put a friendly wager down during the game of monopoly money um and for, for sweating it up a little bit but you kind of just kind of yes <laughs> but you kind of just they're too much they were by far the best team in the tournament from start to finish i mean they were just absolutely dominant in just about every game in this tournament and yeah they showed in the championship i mean i it was it was i think we all kind of knew the outcome of what this game how this game was gonna go uconn had through all six of their games throughout this tourney, they'd averaged a winning margin of almost 20 points. So, like, it's like they were clearly so damn dominant. On top of that, San Diego State came off that extremely emotional high with that comeback win against FAU just a couple nights before that. So, you know, having to have that massive comeback, I believe they were down 10 pretty late in the second half. And then, obvi- and then obviously the the walk shot, that walk off mid range, just absolute money shot. That thing <laughs> hit the bottom of the net. Big that time. was that was clutch. Um, but no, no surprises here. This was the best team all tournament long. There never really was a best regular season team. It's like it seemed like the you know the that top part of the rankings were constantly changing. UConn got up as high as two at one point, and then went on a little bit of a skid, but they obviously uh, got hot at the right time and are very deserving champions. Um, you know what's what's crazy about UConn? Let me let me read off these stats. Just over the tw- last twenty five years, some of these NCAA tournament stats for UConn: five national championships. Five conference titles. Remember, they also switched conferences. At one point, they were in the AAC, American, I believe, Athletic Conference, out of the Big East. Now they're back in the Big East. They've missed the tournament eight times. Seven times they've been out in the first weekend. So in the last 25 years, they've got five titles and have either missed the tourney entirely or been out before the sweet 16 in 15 of those years. <laughs> they've only got, and then All they've only got baby. five, <laughs> they've only got five years where they've made the sweet 16 and not won the title. 
in those 25 years, three title and all three of those or three of those five title games were against a five seed or worse. And over those five titles, it's been between three different coaches over 25 years. Jim Calhoun, uh, Danny Hurley, and who was the man in the middle? It was Kevin. Kevin I didn't know if it was Kevin Ali. So pretty nice stuff. Clearly, you know, talk radio or, or, you know, your first takes and whatever. Keep saying, keep asking, hey, is UConn a blue blood now? I think they were before. I mean, they've they've won more titles than Kansas. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think absolutely they're they're in that conversation with the Dukes, UNC's, Kansas's, um, you know, Villanova, if you want to throw them in there as well as as kind of the top teams overall. What are your thoughts on this tournament? I mean, this is one of my favorites in years, uh, just with all the upsets and and a lot of feel good stories. No real dominant team outside of UConn. It's been one of my favorite tournaments, at least in recent memory. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I thought I brought it up last episode. I think last week, but this is first or the tournament the only seeds that didn't pull off an upset in this one were the 12 seed and the 13 seed I believe so it was one of those that I mean there's tons of upsets you had 15 you had Arizona going down Purdue going down first round so a lot of huge upsets in this one and you had two teams that San Diego State Florida Atlantic that made the final four that were playing for a national championship that yeah, we've seen San Diego State. They're a quiet powerhouse the last few years, but haven't been able to advance this far at all. But it's just cool seeing some of these teams that don't normally get a shot or are perennial powerhouses making it to all these Final Fours get in. But, yeah, it was it was a blast of a tournament. We had high hopes of it being a fantastic tournament just with all the parity throughout the regular season. You'd mentioned that there was numerous teams that hit that number one mark uh, ranking throughout the season and just kind of kept flip-flopping all over the place within that top ten. But, yeah. Usually when we have high hopes, it ends up being a stinker. It's a lot of chalk, but this year it ended up being what we thought it was and had one of the better tournaments in recent memory. The only thing I will say, gotta love if there's a little bit more buzzer beaters, didn't really have a ton outside of that San Diego State one in the Elite Eight to send them to the Final Four, but outside of and that, that's, it And was, that's something that, right. you know, <laughs> buzzer beaters are, they're awesome, but, like, you can't really expect them no, obviously so exactly. um, no i think i mean and really complete opposite from last year's tournament where it was kansas unc duke villanova and now yeah, this year boring. three of the four teams that made it it was their first time in the final four for i think all four of them it was like the first time within the maybe outside of it was i know three of the four it was their first time in the final four so yep. great weekend great tournament Absolutely. We can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. We are on YouTube, have been for a while. If you didn't know that, shame on you. You can find us for the, via that search bar, type in Dead Arm Sports. Subscribe, click the bell there. That way you know when our live episodes drop. We monitor that chat box. That way you can ask us any questions throughout the podcast. We usually are live on Tuesday or Wednesday, so if you subscribe, click that bell, you'll know when our live episodes drop. If you miss out on asking us questions there, 
We can be found on our socials at Dead Arm Sports, at Das Gel, that's at D-A-S-J-E-L. I can be found at Das JPEC, that's at D-A-S-J-P-E-C. Ask us any questions there. Give us a follow on all three of those handles. And subscribe, rate, and interview the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us a screenshot and we will get you some sticker swag for free. Have a fun episode for you. It is April, which means the NFL draft is upon us. You are listening to us on Thursday. We're recording on Wednesday, but when you're listening to us, we are officially three weeks away from Big time. draft night. Let's go. So exciting, exciting stuff there. So we are going to kick off our draft preview. We have the AFC on the docket for today. We're going to run through each division, each team, and what their biggest draft need is. So each of us, uh, we haven't shared what we think it is, so might have some that line up, and otherwise we'll have a little debate, discussion on that. Once we're done with that, we have a quick Valero recap for you just to update you on the winner there and where Jill and I are on our picks. And then Of course, it is Masters time. First round is kicking off today when you're listening to us. Teeing off, excuse you. Our Masters draft, teeing off. (laughs) Footwood. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, no, without further ado, let's get into these AFC team draft needs and First division, I have up gel. I wrote them all down alphabetically here. So we're going to start in the AFC North and Baltimore. Interesting team here. And I guess I'll kick it off. For me, it's it's a question mark that hopefully gets resolved by the time that the draft kicks off. But right now, quarterback is their biggest draft need, assuming Lamar is gone. If you can get Lamar back under contract, I think it's wide receiver. You've got Mark Andrews there, which obviously has been an awesome piece of that offense, but they just can't seem to get that wide receiver in there that helps out in this offense, in the system that they've run. Yes, Rashad Bateman has shown flashes at times, but he's had trouble staying on the field. They've tried Hollywood Brown. That didn't work, and he got shipped off to Arizona last year. But I I think that is a must, assuming they can get Lamar under contract and get him back in the fold, but if not, quarterback is by far their biggest need I yeah so it's interesting with this uh they're they're right now they're slotted in at that number 22 overall pair I guess it'd be 21s since Miami forfeited a pick no they are at 22 uh so they're they got that number 22 pick do you say at that point you're the best quarterback that's going to be available would be uh, I mean, you're getting you're getting that like third tier of quarterbacks, basically. I mean, if you're saying Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud at the top as your most polished quarterbacks, your next tier is going to be the project pieces of Levis and Anthony Richardson. And by that point, if you're at 22, you're not going to have a chance at any of those four teams or any of those four players. You're dropping down to that third tier. What's the move? I mean, do you think that it's to bump? It's to jump up? to maybe and maybe you trade up with the Colts you give Lamar up for that number four pick or do you go maybe wide receiver at that 22 spot because there should be some guys there at 22 if you want to go receiver there in the first round and then you go see if you can get like a Max Duggan type in the second yeah, and I think assuming if Lamar is gone and they somebody matches or 
gives him a deal Baltimore doesn't want to match, they're going to get some picks coming over, and I think that's where they would end up using the quarterback. If it is the Colts, potentially that fourth overall pick is coming over to Baltimore. So I think that is how they would address it. Otherwise, at 22, you're probably looking at Hendon Hooker, which, I mean, he's 25 years old, so I don't think you want to spend a first-round pick on him. Ah, that's a good – I think, I think a that that's, round that's a nice there, fit, but though. I, they, don't have, they wouldn't have to change the offense over that nice much. Fit, but he is 25, but this Ravens team – if you're, I mean, yeah, it's nice to have your franchise quarterback there for 10 years, but hey, you sign Hendon Hooker, he's there for six to eight. That's a, that's a nice run. And that's worth a late first round pick is if, as long as he's able to perform. Now, the tricky thing with that is he's coming off that ACL. So that might be the, you know, yeah. the reason to not go a hooker there and, and maybe go attack that receiver room. Uh, I'm going to go with their end, uh, their Sunday night football rivals, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'll start off there with my first team out of the AFC North. Uh, I think that the big thing that they have never really addressed and has been a need for them to address for the last five plus years is that offensive line. I mean, Najee Harris, his rookie year, phenomenal, fresh legs, fresh out of college and but his second year, you saw the wear and tear already uh, from him. The, you know, his performance declined, his yards per carry declined. Uh, there were injury issues. They had to start using three different running backs where in Najee's rookie year, I mean, he was getting, he was basically their number one back on all three downs. So I think that that offensive line is they finally have to address it. I know Mike Tomlin's probably going to want to take, you know, some impact secondary player or or some tackling machine linebacker, but you can get it you can get an impact defensive, you know, corner or secondary player probably in the second round. You can get a tackling machine in the third, fourth round. I mean, Blake Martinez at one point for the Packers led the league in tackles and he was I believe a fifth rounder for Green Bay. So I think that that's the move for Pittsburgh. Just go hammer out that offensive line. Give Kenny Pickett some time back there because he's not a dynamic. It's not like he's a running quarterback that can survive behind a crappy offensive line. Hey, he's got that fake slide in his repertoire. Did they, did they outlaw? They, uh, I know they outlawed that in <laughs> yeah, college. I don't know if they did in the NFL, but that was such BS. Yeah, I don't know if they did. <laughs> he would get lit I, the fuck no surprise up here. if he did that in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> oh, big time. <laughs> I've got O-line down, too. It, that's their biggest need, pass and run blocking. I mean, Najee Harris was averaging under three yards a carry last year with that O-line, so you've invested a first-round pick in him. He's a dynamic running back if he can get some blocking. And, again, like you said, a young quarterback with Kenny Pickett being there. you got to have some protection so that way he can develop, get comfortable in that pocket so he's not running around getting hit every time he drops back. So, like you said, they have not really addressed this the last couple of years. Even Big Ben's last few years, he was getting just demolished back there. So they, they definitely need to just bite the bullet here and end up taking an alignment in this draft. Moving over to Cleveland. Cleveland um, sucks. Offensive tackle. Cleveland sucks. <laughs> I'm going to go with defensive tackle. I think you um, just lost uh, oh, shit. Jadavion Clowney. Um, 
and you need someone with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett is there. He's going to be a beast on that end, and you need somebody to plug up that middle, stop the run, get some pressure from that interior, and help out that defense. You've got offensive-wise, I, I think you're fine. You're going to be able to put up points, assuming Deshaun is able to take a step forward from this last year where he was pretty much irrelevant. But that defensive tackle, if you can get an impact guy there to help out, I, I think that'll do wonders for them. Yeah, I, I like that. I I guess I'm going off the same, pretty much the same logic that you just spilled out there. But you mentioned they lost Clowney. They obviously, you know, with that clowny signing, they've been trying to patch that missing second edge rusher for years. I mean, Miles Garrett's never had a rush end on his on the other side that's dependable and dynamic. So that's the first place that I'm going to go if I'm Cleveland. Um, probably go edge, try to get the most athletic guy out there. Uh, they... I, they do not have a, a first-round pick, though, and that's going to be no. the problem for them is who's going to be, I mean, who's going to be the dynamic guy later in the in later rounds? That doesn't generally exist, especially when you're talking about an edge rusher. Any, any dominant edge rusher is going early. So that edge rusher might not be out there because given that they, you know, they would have had the number 12 pick. They gave that up for Deshaun Watson. That picks now with Houston. So I think, you know, I guess their first pick in the second round. Yeah. You probably go interior D line and then just try to get some depth and uh, at the edge rush position. I also think it's important for them to add at least one running back in this draft, given that Kareem Hunt is a free agent, Nick Chubb, how many more, you know, how much tread is left on those tires? Just keeps chubbing <laughs> along. And I'd add another receiver as well. Um, you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's kind of came along. David Bell had a few flashes last year. Mari Cooper's got two years left on this deal, but he could be cut given that Deshaun, you know, the Watson money. They just got a lot of money tied up in a lot of guys. So I'd go get some wide receiver depth and running back depth later in the draft. But I think interior D line is a good call. And the final team in the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals. Rawr. <laughs> Rawr Cincinnati. Cincinnati. You know, I think their biggest need right now is running back. Just given the status of Joe Mixon, it seems like he's been talked about as a cut candidate for this year, given that he's on his final year of his contract and he's going to want some big money, but sitting at 28, you don't have a shot at Bijan Robinson and there's not really a, another running back in this draft that's worth taking in the first round. So I think at that point you, you can turn to the secondary or you could also, or you could turn to wide receiver T. Higgins is on the last year of his deal. Can they afford to extend Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins, and Joe Mixon? I don't think so, Scooter. So I think you might want to go. <laughs> Scooter, <laughs> he had that one year, man, and ended up getting paid by Cincy. Uh, no, I, I mean, at that point, I think you. I think the first place you need to attack is safety. They lost. Both are starting safeties in free agency this year, and I think that's probably the easiest for the position need safety and a, a starting caliber safety is probably in need there. And then and then you just 
get depth in those other positions that I had mentioned. You hit the nail on the head there. We have the same thing. I wrote down safety slash running back for this one. You mentioned they lost both their starting safeties via free agency this year, so getting a young impact guy in there is probably in the cards later on. You're not going to get the top safety off the board, but you can get someone that is NFL ready to start and could be an impact guy for you. And then, yeah, what's the status of Joe Mixon? There's been talks that he was a possible cut candidate, trade candidate. And like you said, unless Bijan were to fall, which he's not going to – then, I mean, Jameer Gibbs is probably the next guy up. But like you said, he's small. He's not worth a first-round running back pay grade. So and if he's there in the second I think round, that'd maybe, be, I think, yeah, that's something if you, you can get, address later there's, on in the draft. There's depth to this running back class. There's just only one guy that's mm-hmm. special. So I think, I think round running back second round is ideal. Yep. Moving into the AFC South, um, yeah. Houston, you are on the clock at the number two pick, and you're going to get your quarterback, which that is your biggest need. So they're not going to get the first pick unless they end up swindling a trade with Carolina and move up to that one spot. But you're still probably going to get your top choice here. I think ultimately C.J. Stroud ends up in Carolina, and Bryce Young is there. And I think Bryce Young is a decent fit for Houston. So quarterback's their biggest need. They are a young team. They do have other needs as well, but number two pick in the draft, you're you're taking quarterback here, and I don't think they're looking elsewhere. Your top five, really your top five positions in the NFL, I would argue are quarterback, edge rush, offensive line, offensive tackle really specifically, wide receiver and corner. They've got, Derek Stingley had a nice rookie season. He was, you know, he wasn't Sauce Gardner. They missed on that. They should have t- taken Sauce at three and let Derek Stingley go to the Jets at four. But but Stingley had a really nice season. They need, they have needs at those other four positions, though. Your four other, four of your, your top four <laughs> positions are all needs. Yes, you go, I think absolutely you go quarterback with that number two pick. That's obvious, like, that's obvious that that's what they're going to do. Unless somebody gives them, you know, a butt ton of picks and to move up to two and and they move down and then tank for tank another season, uh, which, hey, that's I don't <laughs> think that's off the board. Uh, and then they've got that number 12 pick, as I'd previously mentioned, from Cleveland. So if they go if they go wide receiver there, maybe a, a Jackson Smith and Jigba, a Quentin Johnson type uh, that feels a little bit high, but they don't have a number one receiver at the moment unless you unless Nico Collins finally breaks out as we have predicted for the last three years. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think they go fresh at wide receiver. They go fresh at quarterback for their first two picks. And then and then I think you just tackle that offensive line uh, later on. Grab some edge rushers. Every like, again, the most important things. <laughs> Best yeah, overall at that player. point, that's, I think, <laughs> honestly, once you get your quarterback, take best overall player. They've got needs all over the place. So, I, uh, but yeah, QB, obviously, at number one. And if they get Bryce Young, he'd be perfect for them. You know, Southern kid playing in a dome, not playing, you know, smaller guy, but not going to have to play in nasty weather too often. At least within the division, he won't. So, I think that's a, that's a great fit for them. I will move over to the next team in this, uh, in this draft that falls down as the number four overall pick, the uh, Indianapolis Colts, and their number one need, again, quarterback. Now the question is, 
Wait, they didn't sign some old. It's gonna happen at some point. I was a little disappointed when Brian <laughs> Hoyer signed with the Raiders. I thought that's where the Colts were gonna end up having to go. <laughs> Dalton, Andy, he's Dalton out. No, like he's he's in Carolina, man. Like, <laughs> I know that would have been that would have been a a perfect fit. Maybe they go back after Wentz or try to get Rivers back out of retirement. Um, but the question <laughs> is, who's gonna be available there at four? Because if it if it goes Stroud, Bryce, somebody trades up to three, which God, I I don't know if Richardson or Levis are worth trading up to three four because you're gonna have to give up picks. But if you know the Raiders do that and they take an Anthony Richardson, and Will Levis is sitting there at four, if you're Indy, is that worth it? But but what else? What are your other options? Yeah, That's when maybe no. you pivot to the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes and and just. Because even though Lamar is signed to that $32 million franchise tag, and if he is still eligible to be traded in a conventional way, so he doesn't have to be traded for the first, the, the two first round picks, he could be traded for just the fourth overall, for example. So, um, you know, I think that's an option. Otherwise, I would add a running back as well, get somebody behind Jonathan Taylor. Uh, they've got Zach Moss, but God, he's been nothing. So, and they lost Naheem Hines. So I think they need to add some, some piece, uh, some running back depth behind Jonathan Taylor offensive line is particularly offensive tackle has been questionable. So I think that's the, that's another move that they need to make. Yeah, no, I agree with all those that quarterback positions, the big one, they've been trying to put band-aids on that since, Andrew Luck retired essentially with Joby Jacoby Brissett Eef. for a little bit, but <laughs> it's just a matter of are they going to have to make a move up to that number three spot? Which I, I think, think if they are set in getting their quarterback this year, I think they have to. It's going to cost you a little bit, but it's worth not having another team come up and jump you. And I think that you could get it for a decent price because Arizona is still going to be able to get their pick who they were going to take at three and just move back a spot. And who knows, maybe then they could make another pick if the Colts come in and take a quarterback that another team wasn't as high on and Levis falls or Anthony Richardson falls. But ultimately, if you're Indianapolis, I was surprised that they didn't make a trade with the Bears to move up for one. But I, I think they need to move up to three to get that quarterback. That is something that they need to have. They haven't had that cornerstone since Andrew Luck, which it's been, what, five years now? It's been now, eight I think. I, so or it's, seven. It's been, or no, no, seven? it's been okay. – I think it's yeah. been five. This will be, this will be the sixth season with a brand-new opening day starting okay. quarterback. It's been eight different starters over these last five years. Insanity. Yeah, which is <laughs> just crazy. But, no, that's for sure. Those two – Indianapolis, Houston, they will be looking quarterback. Moving to Jacksonville. Jacksonville has a nice young team right now. I really like everything that they're doing. I I think just more so D-line. I think if you can beef up that D-line, get more of a pass rush going, that'll do wonders with that defense. The defense is young right now, but getting a nice edge guy to come in, get some sacks, put some pressure, and create havoc in that backfield, I think that'll do well. Yeah, they had some issues. I mean, this they've had some issues defending the run. I think getting an interior D lineman would be great. Um, the other thing to consider here, at they've got the number 24 overall pick. And that you might be able to get the second best tight end in this draft, which 
from all reports, looks to be Dalton Kincaid. And, uh, you know, he's a big tight end. Evan Ingram is on the franchise tag, so you grab a tight end in that first round. He can, I mean, we've talked about this before, particularly when we're talking fantasy. A lot of times rookie tight ends don't have much of an impact. But once they get into their second year, that's kind of when they can start making their moves. So I think 24 is a great spot to get that second best tight end in this draft and, you know, be, you know, have Ingram and Kincaid in two tight end sets along with Lawrence, Calvin Ridley. They did lose Marvin Jones. So I'd like to see them add another receiver later in this draft and probably get some more running back depth behind ETN. Uh, but I think tight end edge rusher, um, and an interior D line. That's those are really their three big needs. And moving off to the final team here in the AFC South, the Tennessee Titans. Question is, what the hell is going on with these rumors that they have been in talks to move up to three with Arizona? And if you're Indy, you're shitting your pants right now, and have the third pick at quarterback just within your own division. So if, if Tennessee does end up moving up, so it's, it's pretty, they see, it seems pretty clear that they're not extremely invested in Malik Willis right now. He was only a third round pick. He didn't look great in limited action last year. We all know he was a project, but again, he looked pretty bad last year. So, um, I think it, it sounds like court, it sounds, if they're willing to move up to three, it sounds like quarterback is a need for them that they see. And it means that Malik Willis is not the future. I also think they need to, I mean, Taylor Luan, their offensive tackle that's been there for years. He just retired. That's definitely a need. And then depth behind Derrick Henry looks like he, you know, there were rumors that he was on the block, uh, the trading block for, uh, you know, a few months ago. I bet he ends up sticking around there. I don't know what kind of offers you're getting for one year of Derrick Henry at this point, but he's, this may be his last year with Tennessee. So I think adding some running back depth also is important. Yeah, no, for sure. I I have O-line as their biggest need, specifically tackle. Like you said, Taylor Luan retiring is a huge, huge hole in that O-line right now. And that's a huge piece to build your franchise around and Again, I mean, I, this is all assuming, like you said, that Tannehill's still under center, but I don't think that's a long-term answer, but I don't know that necessarily for them it's worth sacrificing the future to get the third-best quarterback in this draft right now. So I, I think they stay put, take a tackle, and get that piece and then worry about it this next offseason. They didn't really give Malik Willis that big of a run this year for whatever reason. They, I mean, he came in in a few games, but – they didn't give him that great of a look, so I wonder if maybe they'll end up doing that and then just kind of seeing where they're at at the end of this season with a little bit deeper quarterback. Draft I think that's probably the too. move. I mean, if you end up taking Anthony Richardson there at three, it's like you're just then you've just got another project yeah. on your hands. So that would be kind of endless. I bet that that trade doesn't happen before draft day, and they see who the first two picks are. Let's move over to the AFC West. I'll kick it off with the defending Super Bowl champions. And unless they make a trade, (laughs) Kansas City Chiefs, unless they make a trade for DeAndre Hopkins, I think wide receiver. Wide receiver is a huge hole right now with them. 
been beating the dead horse on that the last couple episodes. Seems like it's somehow it's popped up that Casey needs a wide receiver, but you should have a decent pick there with that transition from the end of the first into that second round. Should be able to get a guy there and give Patrick Mahomes an actual like threat again that he hasn't had since Tyree kills there. Yes, Travis Kelsey's awesome, but he's not going to be there forever. Get a nice young wide receiver, fits in that system that can be a huge weapon and be even more of a threat in that dynamic Chiefs Chiefs offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I mean, as much as we don't find Juju Smith-Schuster to be much of an impact player, he did catch 85 balls last year, and he's now a Patriot. So that, that just... Good luck catching 85 it, it, balls from Matt Bailey Jones. Zappi, okay? Put some respect <laughs> on Zappi's name. um yeah i i think that that's their biggest need i you know you think sky Moore comes in in year two and he's gonna have a bigger impact but again it's right now it's what are you gonna do with mvs i mean mvs uh uh, taking a flyer on sky Moore, Kadarius tony is he really gonna again he's not like a you know a good much of a possession receiver he's kind of like one of those Percy Harvin type of guys. And beyond that, there is, well, there's nothing beyond that unless you count John Ross. So, <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a bigger bust than Darius Hayward Bay somehow. So, uh, no, I, I think wide receiver is a great, is a great spot, especially being late in the first round. You're going to have a chance to get a, still a good receiver there. Offensive line, I'm still going to put there. They lost uh, Malcolm Brown to that massive contract from Cincinnati. Orlando. Orlando. What did I say? <laughs> you said Malcolm. Was Malcolm Brown that... It's a running back, I think. I, Malcolm is Brown is that, like, is second or third string Rams side. running back from a ways back. Yep. Whoops. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Orlando Brown. <laughs> uh, he's gone, obvious. He's gone, you know, goes to the rival Bengals. So, for that, for that really nice payday, I don't blame him. So, uh, yeah, I think those are the two biggest needs. Running back depth, I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is gone. Isaiah Pacheco's felt, you know, he's he's pretty much taken over that number one role, but Edwards-Alaire is clearly, I think he's on his last legs with KC at this point. So that's something I would add later in the draft, though. Oh shoot, that's mine again. Gee, you want to head to uh, next, Joe? Let's let's. I guess let's uh, <laughs> go over to the L.A. Chargers. A lot of, I think, like they're really set for this season, but running back, that's an immediate need. I think that's the most immediate need right now, given these Austin Eckler trade rumors. I guess the Chargers have officially granted him. You know, hey, go ahead, seek a trade. If you can find a partner that's willing to meet your contract needs, who knows if that happens. Um, So I think that's got to be their number one focus. And then their number two focus has to be, to me, wide receiver. You don't, I mean, you never really know what you're getting from Keenan Allen week to week. If he's going to show up, he, that's what I'm saying. If he's going like, to physically be on the <laughs> yeah. field. Same thing with Mike Williams. <laughs> We've been waiting for Josh Palmer or uh, Jalen Guy. <laughs> Hardly know her. <laughs> or uh, Mike's, Mike's boy, uh, Josh Palmer. Uh, or Jalen Guyton to step up. 
and kind of fill in that number two role with, if one of those guys are out, and that hasn't really happened. So I think you got to go get yourself a wide receiver too, somebody that you can really rely on because your two starting wide receivers are not reliable. I'd also throw in another edge rusher to go next to Joey Bosa. And in case Joey Bosa gets ejected from another game, that guy can step in <laughs> and fill that role. And then also I, I I'll throw corner in there as well. They spent big money on JC Jackson last off season and that ended up being a disaster. So add some additional or add an additional corner as well. Yeah. I don't have much else to add. I have running back down because of that Austin Eckler trade rumors with that like you said today we just had news come out that they granted him permission to seek a trade so we'll see if anything does come of that before the draft but regardless I still think they need someone behind him because he's not going to be back after this year and you can have whoever the next guy is step up and do that role and then I, I agree completely with that wide receiver position too you've got two guys that are injury prone that are not consistent you're in a decent spot in that middle of the draft that you can get probably a top three wide receiver in this draft class maybe even your number one on the board depending on who they value as well so I think that that could absolutely be a must for them Moving over to Denver. Yeah, that number 21 spot. Sorry, that number 21 spot, you should still be able to get a nice receiver there. Yeah. Yep. Moving over to Denver, both sides of the line, offense and defense. They got Mike McGlinchey to come over and from spent San a ton Francisco, of money so on that him. was a nice piece there. Oh, my God. And a ton of money, but that's good. You need Russ some protection there. He needs all the time in the world back there these days, it seems like, to <laughs> overthrow receivers. But <laughs> got to invest there. And then the defensive line, too. They traded away Bradley Chubb last year to Miami, so I think getting someone else in to replace him, that's probably a bigger need over that O-line with that Mike McGlinchey signing, but both both sides of the ball. Yeah, and, and they did almost. also sign a higher dollar, a, another offensive – or a, yeah, it was another guard, so – They've spent, they've spent, they've tried to buy their offensive line. I think that was the right move. Sean Payton has always valued that offensive line. I mean, given big money to well-deserving from, uh, to Ryan Ramchick. I mean, it, it's pretty clear. And they had Max Unger back in the day at center, who was one of the top centers in the league. So he's always valued that position and clearly paid off in New Orleans, um, <clears throat> But yeah, I'd, I'd say beyond that, number one need for me is edge rush to replace Bradley Chubb. They got a first for him, or yeah, for him from Miami. So they do other they otherwise wouldn't have had a first round pick from due to that Russell Wilson trade. But they do have the Dolphins' first rounder. So I think that you attack pass rush here. Uh, beyond that, I'm gonna go running back is probably you know like a depth running back. Javante Williams is nice. But he's coming off an injury, and I think we all saw that Mike Boone wasn't the answer as the number two back, and as uh, one who traded for him in fantasy, clearly saw that he wasn't the answer. But they brought in Samaji <laughs> Pirine, Joe. Yikes. I was in a desperate spot there. <laughs> um, and then I think maybe late in the round, like, you know, late in the draft, you can grab yourself a receiver in case Jerry, Judy, or Cortland Sutton you know i mean kj hamler really hasn't done anything special and they do have 
who is there's one one of the, their third uh, receiver is coming back. Timmer, Tim Patrick <laughs> is <laughs> Timmer. Um, so he's coming back, but I still think oh, he yeah. can add a receiver late in the draft. Moving on to the uh, last team in the division for a good reason, the Oakland or God damn it, Vegas Raiders. <laughs> Yes, I was hoping you're going to say Oakland. Uh, I think their number one need is probably quarterback. There's so many quarterback needy teams. Jimmy G, bridge guy at this point. He's not. He's not going to be your long term starter. He might not be your starter through six weeks. I I mean, and they don't (laughs) have really much of a backup plan here. They signed Brian again, mentioning Brian Hoyer for the second time on this show. They the Raiders uh, just signed him probably to be the backup to Jimmy G. You got to go get yourself a young QB. That number three spot that Arizona's in, they're gonna have some nice bidders. I think there between people between Indy, Oak, fucking hey, Vegas, t- possibly Tennessee. Who knows? There may be a wild card that's later in this draft. A Minnesota that may be saying, "Hey, let's go up and get our guy after Kirk Cousins." So. Dumb Bobby. <laughs> Although I, <clears throat> bro, Baker Mayfield, future of the league. Uh, that's oh, their, yeah. that's my number one yep. need for them by a mile. And then just again, pretty much any other important position, cornerback, edge rush, offensive line, anything outside of receiver, pretty much they have needs at. So, um, I think quarterback and then best player available. Yep, agree completely. It's quarterback. They need the future of their franchise. And like you said, I wrote down here, need quarterback of the future, but will he be there at number seven? I don't know if Ma- it is. Unless Richardson or Levis falls up. a little Maybe. bit, but who knows? And I think Levis is your best chance because I think with Richardson's pro day, a lot of teams are in awe with his athleticism that you're going to end up having somebody move up in front of you if it is – Levis picked in front of Richardson. So I think their best bet is Will Levis falling there. But I I don't know. I think you have to move up if you are set. And if you're not, then whatever. Just sit around and wait till next year and draft a O-line or get someone else in there best overall at number seven. But if you can get that quarterback position addressed, you need to. Because like you said, Jimmy G hasn't been able to stay healthy his entire career. And I see that being the same. And yeah, Brian Boyer, <laughs> enough said. That about wraps that up. <laughs> the last, <laughs> last division we're going to touch on today is that AFC East, of course. And we'll kick it off with the Buffalo Bills here because no one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Nobody Bills. Nobody circles you know. an L in the AFC Championship <laughs> game like the Buffalo Bills or before. <laughs> right. And I... For me, they lost a few pieces on defense via free agency, but I think their biggest thing that they need, one is the running back, but I'm not going to touch on that because it's the Bills and they don't utilize it, so I don't think it's worthy of them to take a running back in this draft because they're not going to use them. I think it's wide receiver. I think you need a solid number two behind Stephon Diggs. Gabe Davis has been so inconsistent in that number two role. As much as I love Gabe Davis, I think he's better off in that number three and I think if you can get a number two wide receiver opposite digs that offense could be absolutely electric even more yeah so I have wide receiver as my number one need as well if Bijan Robinson were to fall to them at 27 I think that's the only guy that you take there 
Otherwise, yeah, you take yeah. a running back later in the draft. They lost um, both Devin Single or they lost Devin Singletary this off season to Houston, and then you know the Zach Moss trade. Uh, they do have not is Naheem Heen, Naheem Hines still there? Doesn't matter if you can get if if Bijan Robinson is there, is. you just take yeah. him uh, <laughs> at twenty seven. But I doubt he makes yeah. it that far. Um, so yeah, I, I think wide receiver, there's still, there's going to be an impact guy. You said it perfectly. Gabe Davis is a great number three. I don't think he's reliable enough to be a number two. He's basically a guy that can stretch the field and what else? Perfect for a number three, but not a, not somebody that you can be relying on as a number two. I also think maybe in your second, third round, grab an edge rusher, somebody that can learn behind Von Miller. And, uh, you know, Vaughn did sign that really huge deal, but the guaranteed money on it was not that significant. So Buffalo could move off of him pretty much anything, any year after this season, or maybe the following, get a developmental project late and, uh, attack, attack that position later in the draft. I'm going to move over to the jets. Um, I guess we're, I'm going to assume here that they don't trade their first rounder for Aaron Rodgers. They acquire him for, you know, a couple seconds or something or, or next a second and then a comp pick the next year that could turn into a first next year, something like that. So I'm assuming they still have their number 13 pick. And I think that they go, I think that if they can get a shot at Skronsky or Paris Johnson at that number 13 spot, you take that as your offensive tackle of the future. Makai Becton, when he's on the field, very productive. Problem is, he's always overweight, and therefore he's always getting hurt. That was the issue with taking him when he was drafted. There were concerns about him being overweight, and those those issues have clearly come into fruition. I think you take an offensive lineman here if you can get one of the top two guys, uh, top two tackles in this draft at that number one spot. Beyond that... A second corner or or a, a safety, somebody else on the other side of Sauce Gardner to kind of help really shut down that uh the opponent's passing game. And then I go wide receiver. Elijah Moore's gone. It sounds like Corey Davis has a pretty good chance to be released. So I think wide receiver later in the draft is a good option as well. They also lost Braxton Barrios, underrated player. Yeah, Got he's a Lizardo great number three. Draw. <laughs> yeah no with the new york jets it's it's offensive tackle for sure especially assuming rogers ends up tr- getting traded over to the jets you don't need the quarterback position obviously there so with the tackle position that is going to be what they end up needing and will help protect rogers he's going to be mad if that line is not good we've seen that in years past at green bay and that's when he struggles he needs some protection back there he's not the same player he was 10 years ago and he can make some plays with his feet he can make a few here and there but not to the extent that he used to be so getting a tackle i like you said i think one of those top three guys will be there when they pick in those early teens so that's a that's a fantastic call out there and I think with moving over to – we'll move over to Miami here. We'll save New England for last. And with Miami, it's the same thing. I think you need to address that O-line. We've seen every single year here that Miami needs to draft an O-lineman here, especially with two on the hits he was taking last year. you got to get him protection. This offseason, they made it clear that Tua, they think he is going to be the future – there he had a fantastic year last year until he had all those concussions. So 
getting him protection is an absolute must in this draft. And they don't have their first round pick this year. It was forfeited. So it's going to be tough. You're going to have to find a little bit of a project there in the second round, maybe a little diamond in the rough action. But ultimately I think that's what they need to do. They're, they're pretty set in a lot of other areas. They've addressed it in years past, otherwise via trades, free agency. I like this Miami team a lot. But Yeah, I uh, originally goal. had corner as a pretty high need, but I forgot they traded for Jalen Ramsey. So that's, I mean, that's immediately your, Ramsey, your top yes. cornerback <laughs> duo in Xavier, with Xavier Howard and uh, and Jalen Ramsey there. So that <laughs> that takes care of that pretty quickly. Uh that's, oh, that's nasty. nasty. Uh, I would say, yes, absolutely. Offensive line is a need. Um, you know, they, they've got they've got some high-dollar pieces over there. Taron Armstead, one of the best uh, tackles in the league, but he had some injury issues last year, and when that happened, that's when Tua, when Taron Armstead was out, that's when Tua got, how many, either his second or third concussion? I don't know. It's hard to keep track of when that, when those were. Um, yeah. <laughs> But so, yeah, I, I think they got to get better there. Um, and then, yeah, I, th- you know, it'd be good to add some pass rush later in the draft. And last but not last and New certainly England's least the New England show. Patriots <laughs> led by Bill Belichick's <laughs> shitty draft resume. I don't you have to go wide receiver here. <laughs> I mean, They've, th- I don't know, unless you yeah. go after D-Hop, even if you go after D-Hop, you still should go wide receiver, I think, with that first pick. Um, I mean, they, they've been desperate for playmakers, and they haven't, for somehow, they just can't get a crew playmakers. Instead, the other, or what was it, a couple years ago when they signed, they signed Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, uh, and spent big money on both of them, and then uh, drafted Nikhil Harry. Harry like they're they're. Nikhil it's Harry. not like they're not trying. They just suck at it. So <laughs> I think you just have to, you know, <laughs> throw out another, you know, line in the line in the barrel and see if you can finally reel in a fish. <laughs> yeah, I've got two keys to a successful Mac Jones from his days at Alabama. And that is a solid O-line and a solid wide receiver core. He needs all of the help he can get. So I think either O-line wide receiver, yes, that wide receiver position, but if it's been Bill Belichick, whoever has been picking out these wide receivers for them to draft the last couple of years, don't <laughs> let them in the draft room, go to someone else's opinion on it because you have not had a solid wide receiver there. Randy Moss. In- quite a long time i mean yes randy moss is probably the last one i mean julian edelman was awesome he was also a set like that was he was also a seventh rounder that came out of kent state as a quarterback like he was not yeah you know he wouldn't have worked in any he wouldn't have worked anywhere else the way that he did in new england (laughs) there yep but yeah, so I think if you can get Mac Jones needs weapons. I mean, he he's not going to win you games if he doesn't have guys that can go up and get the ball. So absolutely. <laughs> All right, Jill, almost to the Masters. But first, we have the Make Valero Texas Open <laughs> to recap. Corey, Corey Connors coming off of the victory there. Finished at minus 15, had a minus four final round to hold off Sam Stevens. 
Corey Connors only had one birdie on the entire back wow. nine in this tournament. So when I say he held off his opponents, he held off his opponents. So not the greatest of back nines, but ends up with the victory there. Stevens also eagled 17, drove the green, had a nice eagle putt made there. Ah, dude. And then he parred 18. He finished one shot back, parred 18. So, yeah, definitely could have been a little bit different there. But overall, fun tournament. Not a lot of big names with the Masters this week. Understandable. People get into Augusta to prep for that. Take some time off. Joe went with Siwoo Kim last week. Ended up finishing minus three. So you are currently at minus 92. And uh, I went with Ricky Fowler, who Good turned Sunday. into minus six final round. So he... Yeah, had a fantastic Sunday. Ended up at minus eight, so got me back a little bit. Only 12 strokes back, so I'll take it. We're heading into a little bit of a break here hey, in our I mean, picks. So it's not like you're going to gain all we'll 18 strokes back or whatever that number was So in one tournament. So, uh, <laughs> no. I mean, it's, it's, te- much, it's technically yeah, possible. I, I pick the but, winner that goes off, and you, know, you pick the – yeah. I'd like have to somebody pick that first place, you'd have to have picked last completely place. pissed themselves. Much. Correct. Similar to, or, or like an Adam yes. Scott where he makes the cut and then his Saturday, Sundays, he ends up going like six over total. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. On to my favorite and a lot of people's favorite golf tournaments of the year, the Masters. And I am pumped. Everyone knows the course, Augusta National, par 72, 7,500 yards. Scotty Scheffler, defending champion, ended up he what, could. Four putting 18 last year and still cruised to victory because, yeah, it was ridiculous. But I'll run through, obviously not That's, running through all the notables. we got 89 players in this tournament. We don't tournament need all 89 list, names. So, <laughs> correct. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so just some, some of the fun pairings that they have, Tiger Woods, <laughs> Big Dick, Vic Hovland, Xander Shoffley. Got Justin Thomas, John Rahm, Cam Young. Cam Smith is mixed in with Deki Matsuyama, Sunjay M. So you got a live guy in there. And Bryson DeChambeau is in with Francesco Molinari, JT Poston. So kind of put him in an interesting grouping there. I was wondering what they would end up doing with Phil. They ended up putting him in with Siwoo Kim and Tom Hoagie. Tom Hoagie coming off of the Par 3 Tournament Championship today. Finished with minus 6. Had a nice uh, hole-in-one on number 8. Five total hole-in-ones today. Shout out to Seamus Powers. uh, Back-to-back aces on 8 and 9. So pretty Pretty awesome there. Uh, another one, Matt Fitzpatrick, Colin Morikawa, Will Zalatoris, I thought was pretty sweet. Got the defending champion, Scotty Scheffler, Max Homa, and amateur Sam amateur. Bennett. So throwing the amateur oh. in with Homa and Scheffler. <laughs> First round of the match. Imagine so him winning that, that group one is on gonna day be one. Fun. God. Yeah. <laughs> got tom kim rory mcelroy and rory mcelroy's opponent from two weeks ago in that quarterfinals like that. uh sam burns so that should be a fun one and then i think my favorite one one i'm going to be tuned into we got jordan spieth tommy fleetwood tony Finau. so i think that'll be an absolute fun threesome to watch too so any betting favorites here gel i know it's going to be an interesting week there tomorrow sounds like it's okay or today Thursday round sounds like the weather is going to be okay, but wet conditions Friday, Saturday. Yeah, that's and that's Sunday. what I was. That's that's I don't what I was just about, about Monday to finishes, is, but is, is Thursday looks great. Uh, you know, prime weather, sun, nice, comfortable in the seventies. 
Friday, 80% chance of rain. And then after, and you know, highs are still in the seventies on that Friday, but then you go to Saturday and those highs drop down into the fifties right now. It was 89 there today. During it's going to drop three, down 30 degrees <laughs> at, at least 30 degrees, uh, for, for Friday's round. They're showing right now a hundred percent chance of rain. So hopefully that doesn't impact us too much, but it's going to rain. <laughs> it's going to rain. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and and then Sunday, there's also, right now, they're showing a 70% <laughs> chance of rain. So hopefully, Saturday, everything clears out. There's maybe a little morning uh, little morning shower on Sunday, and then it clears out for, if we have to push it to a Monday finish, it happens. But um, yeah, that's unfortunate that that's going to play a factor here. But as you mentioned, let's get into some of the top bets. Uh, Rory McIlroy, Scotty Scheffler at the top at plus 750. John Rahm right behind them at plus 950. Jordan Spieth actually coming in at fourth. He's won this event before. He plays this course well, so I guess I'm not shocked that he's in that top four. But he hasn't had the best season so far. Um, but he does play this course well, oh. and he he loves obviously loves big events. So he's your number four uh, betting favorite. And then Patrick Cantley right behind him at 1,800. And then Justin Thomas rounding out your top six at plus 2,000. Just a couple of live guys, your high name live guys. Uh, Cam Smith is at plus 2,200. Dustin Johnson, 2,500. And then Brooks Kepka also at plus 2,500. So they're certainly not counting these guys out. I mean, 25 to 1 odds on DJ Brooks guys Cam Smith or I don't think Cam's won it this year but he's been in final round contention before at the Masters. DJ has won it. I know Brooks has like four major victories. He's never won the Masters though, right? No, it's just been PGA is he have a US Open. I, I think he's got a US, US Open in there, but like yeah, no US green jacket for him, but DJ's British. won it here just a few years back. Um uh, Yep, that's Masters. right. That was the Fall Masters. I won 200, 200 bucks on him. Poof! Monopoly money, yeah. Monopoly money! <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not a uh, Two more guys. Tiger, obviously betting interest on him. He's a little further back as expected, plus 6,500. And then Bryson Duchambeau, plus 10,000. <laughs> So uh, he's never played this course well, even when he was at his prime. The guy can't hit a fairway. No. And if you can't hit a fairway here at Augusta, this is one of those courses that they, you know, it's 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 a second shot course. Hit the fairway, make a nice second shot, and you've got a chance as long as your chipping is halfway decent. Um, and we'll get in, more into the chipping as we get into our picks. <laughs> little, little, little tease little, uh, little foreshadowing there Jill <laughs> alright <laughs> alright so that is time we are taking a break from our weekly picks here and going to do our first major draft of the year with the Masters so how this works I'm going to flip a coin here in a minute Jill's going to call heads or tails for the first pick in the draft and we're just going to snake draft so this is a Ryder Cup style format so whoever our first picks are they're matched up head to head so the mat, each matchup's worth a point. We're going to have five matchups total. We're each going to pick five golfers. Once you pick a guy, you cannot use them again for the remaining majors. So it is a fresh start. So anybody we have picked up to this point, that's a whole separate thing. So we have a fresh slate here. can pick any of the golfers. If you win your matchup, you get a point. 
if we end up tying at the end of the tournament and both guys make the cut, finish with the same score, we each get half a point. And if you don't make the cut, so if both of us don't make the cut in that specific matchup, no points are awarded. Obviously, if somebody makes the cut, misses the cut, doesn't matter what they finish the tournament with, whoever made the cut in that matchup is going to get that point there. So little strategy here, little matchup based as well. So if somebody picks a guy that's a little bit inconsistent, maybe match up somebody that is a little bit more consistent against them. But kind of a little fun fun thing here that we like to do each year. Anything else you want to add joe before i ask you heads or tails what state is this is this quarter i knew you're gonna ask let me take a peek here reading is fundamental um so it's not a no it's i had to take a look so it's effigy mounds out of iowa so it's Hmm. a different quarter it's not a set in that national park national park maybe yeah, that's kind of so. We got that what a beautiful uh, that coin. guy on one side, and and, George, and and Big George on the uh, on the other Ooh. side, and uh, Old George. I'll call <laughs> so. tails. All right, going Joe. with Iowa. They just made Heads the uh, women's college right. national championship final. <laughs> All right, it is tails. You finally won a coin toss here, Joe. And I'm going with the, the repeat day? champion here. I'm going Scotty Scheffler. I. I went back and forth between a couple guys, but I'm going to lock in big Scotty. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's just been the best player in the world since Rom, you know, had his little tummy ache a few weeks ago at the players and Scotty's been on a run. So, and obviously won it last year. He's been a, you know, the previous year he'd won the Phoenix open. He went back to back there. So I feel like if he's familiar with his courses, he loves them. He plays well at them, and I, he's the number one bet on the board for a reason. Nope, I like that pick. He was up there in consideration had I got that one pick, but I'm going to go here. Oh, side note, I did forget to mention, um, since we don't get to see a whole lot of live coverage, we are going to say that we have to pick four live golfers throughout this. So you can pick them all four in one tournament. You amongst the four majors as well. So that's just four total stipulations amongst, each the, four amongst yep. the four majors. Yep. Um, my first one off of the board here is somebody that was a third place finisher here a couple weeks ago. He needs this one for the career grand slam. Poppy was his caddy today on the par three course. I'm going with Rory McIlroy. Rory's been playing pretty decent lately. I think if if it's going to happen, now is a perfect opportunity for him. Finished awesome last year in that final round. He just has a tough time coming out of the gate initially, and that's kind of where it sets him back. Usually has solid weekends, but I think he comes out of the gate this year. I think he's motivated, fired up for this, and I I like Rory, especially with some of these wet conditions. I think he's going to excel there and have a little leg up over some of the other guys. So I will lock in Rory, and I have the quick turnaround now, and I'm going to use one of these live golfers, and I'm going to go with a guy that has been on a tear. He's finally healthy, or so he says, and it's Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka coming off of a win last week on the live tour, and uh, I, I like him this week. Um, he's played historically pretty decent at Augusta. so Yeah, I, he uh, got that win out week. in Orlando on a public course that apparently goes for about 60 bucks a round. So not exactly your most premier <laughs> course. 
in the in the continental United <laughs> States. But um, yeah, hey, like you said, he got the win last week, so that's worth something. And and yeah, he's he's going for his first green jacket. Why don't we do this? Why don't we pair up our live guys? And I'll go with my money maker, Dustin right. Johnson, for my uh, my second round pick here. Um, you know, I, I would have loved to take Brooks. He would have been my first live guy, but I like the idea of pairing up live guys going head to head here and seeing who's the who's the premier guy on the live tour outside of live golf. <laughs> so we'll we'll lock in we'll lock in DJ for your boy Jill. My third round pick, Xander Shoffley. Uh he's he just plays really good and really well in big moments, big events. He's never won a major, but I I mean if he come I, I think this year might be his year to finally get one. He's been last year especially, he finished off that season so hot. He's been at the top or near the top of a ton of leaderboards lately, so that basically this whole season. So I'm gonna ride Xander. I like it. I'm going to match Xander up and take him on with a guy that has also been playing lights out this year on the tour, and that's Max Homa. Max Homa has been playing phenomenal golf. I was watching him today in the par three. He was playing with JT and Spieth, and he was dialed in. I mean, he was hitting. I mean, granted, they're all like 100-yard holes, but he was dialed in today with his wedges, so I, I like it this week. He's been putting absolutely lights out so far this year watching him in that um, Dell match play and just sinking some incredible putts obviously he's a clutch guy so I like him quite a bit this week and then I'm going to roll out a guy that also finished a nice Sunday round last year a guy that has won majors before and that's Colin Morikawa I like Colin Morikawa in this one um Hasn't won a green jacket yet, but he's somebody that also has been playing some pretty decent golf so far this year. Morikawa would have been my pick here if he would have slipped to me, you son of a bitch. (laughs) I mean, great iron player, and that's what you need. Like I I had previously mentioned, it's about your second shot at Augusta. Obviously, I'm not saying your drive doesn't matter, but your second, you know, if you bomb it into the trees like Bryson typically does, that's why he's always out after, you know, the first day, basically, hitting his you know, going for 78. Uh, but Morikawa is more than capable, more than a capable driver. And that second shot, his iron play has always been elite. So I love that pick. I would have gone there. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with somebody that I think is on his level this year. That's been playing freaking awesome. And that's Jason day. He's just a really clean player. You don't see him completely just I mean, he's not going to bomb the shit out of the ball. He's not going to be one of those guys that makes, you know, Phil Mickelson types of flop shots and that kind of stuff that's always super fun to watch. But he's just a really consistent player. And, um, yeah, I like my pick here with J-Day. I like it. He's on my Going short Going a little bit guys. further down my list, my top seven are now gone. But, thankfully, we're in the last round. So, that's just fine. Uh <laughs> I'm going to ride the hot hand. Corey Connors just winning the Valero. He's had some nice, he's had a number of nice tournaments this year. I'm not expecting him to win it. I'm not expecting him to, you know, finish up there in the top 10, top five, or, you know, he could be a top 10. I'm not saying he's going to be in the top four by the time we get to Sunday, but he's coming off a nice round there at Valero. He's been 
up near the top of a few leaderboards, and I like the way he's playing. So, Mr. Corey Connors, the Canadian, eh? I like it. No, he's been hot, and yeah, for sure. But I am going to go with another guy that's a little bit down my list here, and I think I'm picking him because I don't know if he's going to win a major, do well. I think this is the one. I don't know that he has the game necessarily to win any of the other ones the rest of the year and a guy that's historically played fairly decent at the masters he was runner up the year that tiger won it and that's tony baloney finau tony finau has played pretty well at augusta he's had a nice game so far this year as well so i'm gonna i'm gonna roll with tony here because like i said i i like him at the masters i don't know that i really like him at some of the other courses yep, good call the other i got i got notes on two guys that are that I wasn't sure how this was going to play out, but it played out in my favor for the notes that I wrote down for these two guys. Big Vic Dick. We've You notice that he's not in there. He, I think, will be in contention in future majors down the uh, down the road. But, I mean, his wedge play his and his, his chipping, it's... That's so that's such a big deal here at Augusta. And that's been his that's been his kryptonite his entire career. That's why he was a no-go for me. I'm sure. Same with you. And then John Rahm, number three pick on the board. Number three pick, at least according to the Vegas boards. Neither of us touched him. And he seems to have fallen off pretty hard since he got his tummy ache at the players' championship. I think he I mean, he could be a guy that's there at the end, but there's also just as good of a chance that he's not. And the fact that he hasn't been playing well lately, does he return back to his hothead previous self and ends up, you know, kind of screwing himself out of contention early? I think that's possible. You know, it's, it's easy to be even keeled and, you know, not thinking negative thoughts when you're playing the best golf of anybody in the world. But when you're not, Maybe he returns back to his old habits. So I'm not, I guess, two guys that I had notes down and as to why they were no-goes for me. And obviously they, that's how it played out for both of us. Yeah, the other one that I wanted to take because historically he has done well at Augusta, but his game is just garbage right now. And that's live golfer Cam Smith. Cam Smith has been playing terrible since he made the jump over to live after he won the uh, open championship last year. So I just, I couldn't roll with him. This is a tournament that I think I took him last year. I like him at this one. He usually shoots very well, but his game right now is just garbage. So I, I didn't feel comfortable pulling the trigger with him either. Well, that'll wrap up this episode. Uh, just to recap. So gel, we've got Scotty Scheffler versus uh, Rory McIlroy. Gel's got Dustin Johnson. I've got versus Brooks Kepka. Gel's got Xander Shoffley. I've got Max Homa. Jell, Jason Day versus Colin Morikawa, and Corey Connors versus Tony Finau. So we'll be back uh, next week to recap those after the Masters. And we will be back with you tomorrow, finish up the NFC side of the team needs for the draft coming up and a little MLB action for you too. Weekly recap, some of our takeaways from the opening week of the season can be found at Dead Arm Sports, Twitter, Instagram. Check us out on Facebook at Dead Arm Sports. Go to YouTube, Dead Arm Sports, into that search bar. Subscribe. Ding. 
click the bell. That way you know when our live episodes drop. We monitor that chat. You can ask us any questions there. Otherwise, if you miss out on asking us questions, miss out on that live feed, hit us up at Dead Arm Sports, at Dos Gel, at Dos JPEG. Give us a follow there. Subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite listening platform. Send us a screenshot. And love you and forever. We will swag you uh, fi- <laughs> Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, <laughs> iHeartRadio, and Google Pods. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review there. As well as Josh mentioned on YouTube, just search Dead Arm Sports. Subscribe there and uh, leave any comments. You know we're we're live uh, once a, at least once a week, so um, you know chat box is always open. We're always listening. You know, always watching that feed uh, for some feedback there and uh, commenting on any videos. You know, we're monitoring that as well. So any additional feedback is greatly appreciated, and we'll uh, continue to deliver for you. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, enjoy the opening round of the Masters. Again, we'll be back with you tomorrow to end the work week. Ping! And Joe, close her out. That's the sound of the T or the drivers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.